just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast. Today's guest is entrepreneur, life coach and social dynamic extraordinaire Wade Alters. He was formerly the dating coach Brad Branson from Real Social Dynamics and he's now venturing on his own with his new company, 3 Impact Training. The aim of the company is to help young men learn how to become true men in today's society. In this interview, we discuss core beliefs, identity, overcoming the limitations holding you back and how to become a man that you've always wanted to be. We go pretty deep on this one, and Wade will help you drop the bullshit baggage you've been carrying and discover things that are hidden inside you that you never thought was possible. But first, a quick word about affiliate deals. Next Level Guy has some partnerships with some great companies. To see the special offers and discount codes we have available to all listeners, please go to nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates for the full list. I'd highly recommend you pick up Tools of Titans. That's an encyclopedia of success by Tim Ferriss. And you should also look at Alpha Brain and Shroom Tech from Onnit.com, as well as these fabulous fitting jeans from Barbell Apparel, which are guaranteed to fit and move like trucksuit bottoms, but look like awesome jeans. To get 10% off at Onnit.com and Barbell Apparel, please use the discount code NEXTLEVELGUY at the voucher code when you're checking out for 10% off everything on your order. To see these and more, simply go to nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates where there's a lot of special offers right now. And now to the interview with Wade. I hope you enjoy this one. If I was to ask you um, who you are and why people should know you, what would you say? Okay. I guess the the first thing for, for me without opening up Pandora's box here is the concept of identity alone is pretty important because it, it's kind of the filter over every decision that you make. So all of a sudden you go, Oh, who are you? And like I said, I go down the rabbit hole there, but I would say for me, you know, if I think about that, I consider myself an entrepreneur, uh, a people helper. And I think it's a mixture of, and I'm very analytical. I think that, and that really, those characteristics and personality traits really help me who I am to where I think, you know, we were talking about before the call a little bit, uh, one of my abilities is to distill information down into very practical step-by-step advice and feedback, which I think, especially in the self-development niche, is really tough to do. Like, okay, how do I outgrow a limiting belief or something like that? Um, so the analytical side is huge, and I think that's why a lot of... Uh, I won't say nerdy type of people, but more of the analytical people resonate with my stuff. And secondly, really, you know, I love entrepreneurship. I think it's the best form of self-growth there is, and I've kind of experienced them all. And so just the ups and downs, the volatility and all that sort of stuff that goes along with that. And then having the empathy. And I think the other thing that, you know, if we go into like some of the dating stuff, something that I heard a lot when I was really teaching that a lot is that people said, well, how do you do it? You still seem to be nice. How can you be nice? And you, you know, you have the books like no more Mr. Nice guy and everything. And I think I do have that sort of genuine, authentic part, which is important, 
you know, in self-development or picking up women and everything anyways, but being able to maintain some of those character traits, I think it allows me to step inside other people's model of the world better and then communicate to them in a way that you know, makes it as impactful as possible. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's kind of what I'd say. I guess if I just say, what do I consider myself? It's like life coach, dating coach, kind of formerly, although I still get in that a little bit, and marketing consultant, because to be a successful coach online, you have to know the business. You have to know how to market yourself. You have to know how to sell and persuade and write sales copies. So it's pretty much I'm wearing that hat as much as I am the other ones as well. No, I think that was very beautifully put. I mean, it's something I've always liked about you is that you come across as a very likable guy. You know, when I, I was into pickup stuff, it was more the kind of, it felt like you're almost cheating some women with some of the routines and like the negging where you had to be, say something bad about them to kind of bring them down a level. And I just didn't really see that. You know, I wanted to be myself, but just be better at it and learn that confidence. So... What do you think makes a good man? You know, what makes a, a worthwhile man an attractive man to others? Yeah, I think mm, that's an interesting question. I would say, for me, a couple definitions that I have. I think a lot of what you'll notice if I look at myself 10 years ago when I started off as a coach, makes me feel old as I'm 35 here. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a, a question I'm trying to think what I would have used to say versus what I say today. And I think the biggest shift that I've made over the last 10 years of coaching, which seems like a long time, uh, probably the biggest one is I feel one of the best leading indicators, if me as a coach looking at someone and kind of seeing where they're at, it's the words that they use, the language that they use. So getting really precise and specific with your definitions, I think is really important. And so when I think of you know being a man or just being a human, a big part is like, okay, how do I feel happy? How do I feel fulfilled? And for me, happiness, it's living in alignment with your values. And fulfillment is when you're growing in every aspect of your life, growing in all those different values. And so I think what it really comes down to is when people say, oh, be authentic or have integrity. My most recommended book of all time is Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. And that whole, you know, what does it mean to have that integrity or what does it mean to be have self-responsibility or assert yourself more? And my view of that is it's asserting your values. And so what it really comes down to is kind of what you said, being a man of value is knowing what those values are because they are unique and they're in a different priority for each one of us. And then every day trying to live more and more in alignment with what those are. So if we were to break it down further, you know, what what is it to be a man? You know, has it changed? You know, like you see guys nowadays with the skinny jeans and the, you know, the emos and the hair and all this kind of stuff where, and you hear this people, the older people saying, Oh, it wasn't like that in my generation. You know, have we forgotten how to be men? Um, you know, what is the definition of masculinity in your opinion? Mm -hmm. I think what it comes down to is dominance, is probably you know one way you could say it. And again, all these words, I'm going to go back to that, in that because in NLP they call it anomalization, to where words like justice or freedom, you might think when I say dominance, you understand that what that is or masculinity, but we each have our own unique experiences, and that leads to us sort of looking at those differently. We feel differently about them. So for me, dominance, what again comes down to, if I go back to that, is that dominant frame of reality. And to know what your frame of reality is, it takes a lot of self-awareness. And I think, you know, if you look at, at 
this, let's go with like the pickup example, going up to a girl, being confident. It, it comes down to you just need a strong frame. It doesn't really matter what it is. If you believe in it strongly enough, and part of that frame hopefully is I'm an attractive man, it, it's just kind of persuading them to respond the way you want to. So I think you could rock the skinny jeans and you could even have, like I've done some crazy shit along the way just to prove myself what is possible. And at the end of the day, what it came down to was, was I sure of myself? And if we get into the whole persuasion side of things, to get the response that you want of someone else, one, you need to know what that response is. And I think in, in the pickup world, that's always sort of confused because guys, are they doing it because they're trying to look cool in front of their friends? Are they trying to do it because they actually want to sleep with this girl? Are they doing it to prove that all this work they put into getting better at the skill set is the right thing to do? Or is it to actually like get with the girl? And when it's a mixture, it's usually a mixture of all those things. You not really have a specific outcome there that you're looking for. So again, you can be persuasive it doesn't really matter so much what the clothes are. It's about that strength of reality, that strength of the frame, and then you know asserting that onto other people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And is this where it leads to your idea of its, you know, your philosophy of its, never your identity, but it's your strategy. You know, could you go into a little bit about what that means as, like, for a guy to better themselves and develop, um, you know, how should we use that kind of philosophy? to base our actions for the future? Yeah, a, a very strong belief that I have as a coach, as well as for my own success, is that you're never, the personality that you had in the past, you can change that. And there's all these studies that say by when we're four years old, 80% of our personality has already been defined. Or if you look at books like Emotional Intelligence, they say that when you're an infant and you're getting breastfeed, breastfed by your mom, Based on when you look up at her as this little six-month-old infant, if she looks away too fast, it can lower your self-esteem. And so here people are 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old today, and they're saying, oh, I'm an introvert. Or, oh, yeah, you know, I just, uh, you know, I'm not that confident of a person. And anything you say after I am, that's an identity level statement. So if they're saying I am an introvert, they think that's who they are, and therefore it can't be changed. And I truly believe that I don't want something that happened when I was six months old define who I am today. The longer you have it, that doesn't mean you can change it immediately. Sometimes certain things happen in your life where it does change really fast, where something traumatic happens and all of a sudden your personality completely shifts or you have a huge success or a huge win and that can really transform your personality fast. But what it comes down to is that first inherent belief that I can change this. And if anyone else has a certain sort of behavior or personality trait, I can get that one too. I can model it and see how they act, whether that's, you know, for public speaking. And so there's a lot of people I model, including people like Tony Robbins and not just his hand gestures or not just the tone of his voice, but internally, what are, what is the language that he's talking about? How does, what is his eyes doing and how is he, you know, uh, does he think more visually internally or do they think more auditorily or are they more intuitive and feelers and modeling every, how are they breathing? and modeling every aspect of it to really get inside of their head and then, you know, start developing that new skill. And so the way that I look at it is that you can't get rid of a strategy. And so again, the first step before I even get in that, if you think it's part of who you are, then you're helpless, you're powerless, you fall into the victim mindset. So take back control and say, okay, I can just choose a new way to respond here. 
I can choose to not be angry. I can choose to not be needy. I can choose to be more confident in this situation. And then all what happens is, is those old habits kick back in. I'm like, oh, but I'm not good enough. Or, oh, I wasn't like that. Or, oh, I didn't have those type of parents. I didn't have rich parents growing up. Or, oh, you know, I'm an introvert. And it's cutting the pattern, stopping the pattern over and over and over again, building self-awareness around it, and then slowly learning to habitualize the response that you really want. And sometimes that could take, you know, like I said, a few times. Sometimes it could take months. Sometimes it could take years. There's certain habits that I'm still continually working on. Habits as, you know, a dating coach and working on my own dating life is that continually, you know, being unstifled and being able to go into a bar or a club and being able to be the, you know, the center of attention. That's not my default state or it wasn't. And you hear my language there. But then over time, you learn how to first do it consciously. And then over time, you just automate it to where that does become your new part of your personality. I just love the way that you look at things. You know, it's very kind of just, I'm going to do this. I want to be like this. How do I do that? You know, you, you don't let your beliefs hold you back and stuff. But for people who are sitting there going, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, you're a confident guy. You're a good looking guy, etc. You can go and approach women. How can we get past this beliefs? And, you know, how can we identify the bullshit in our head? And how can we look and go, right? that needs to change, that belief mm-hmm. needs to be fixed. You know, is there a way, like a framework that you approach these things with clients? So it's kind of, yeah, let me use a couple examples here outside of this, the corollaries. Uh, probably the one that made me really appreciate this the strongest was stress related to starting a business. And so when I, you know, I, I had worked for RSD for years, I'd been very entrepreneurial to where I was innovating a lot of stuff, launched the first product in the company in five years, you know, sold millions of dollars of online products, things like, like things were going great, you know, learn sales copy, learn how to market myself, position myself, launch products, all that sort of fun stuff, build an online brand. And so I had a lot of confidence when I left and started my own company. But things just no matter what are different when you don't have that safety net and when you have to make all the mistakes yourself and when you run out of cash, and you're trying to float the business on credit cards and, you know, your mail starts changing and all these things, it's hard not to have a little bit of anxiety. And what I realized through this is that, you know, I was kind of ignoring all that and I was just like, okay, nose of the grindstone to the bitter end, keep pushing it, work harder. You know, Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, you just got, I'm going to hustle harder than my competition. And then what happened was, is all of a sudden I left to go to this wedding. So I was working from home for like six months, barely leaving the house. And all of a sudden I was driving this car, rental car, and I couldn't breathe properly. I'm like, I can't even take a deep breath. And I'm talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, oh my God, I can't like fully breathe right now. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'd realized I was working myself up so much. I had so much stress built up inside of me that it literally led to having like ulcers. I, you know, I'd randomly get heartburn. I I thought I was going blind because I was having these stress-based migraines that were affecting my vision. And so all these weird health issues that finally my body said, you need to fix this. You need to take care of this. And so it went from like every skill set, and I'm sure everyone on here has heard this, it was unconscious competent to where I just automatically responded that way to the stress to all of a sudden I became conscious of it. And I became kind of nothing changed. And all of a sudden I just realized how damn stressed out I was all the time. And so it gets into that conscious incompetence in the same way guys, you know, if I think for myself, I didn't even know that you could go up and talk to a girl 
until I turned 24. I had the same girlfriend from 16 to 24. Like I literally didn't even know this world existed. And all of a sudden I found out about the success with women industry. And I was like, oh my God, you can do more than just get drunk at the bar. You can actually meet women and take them home. This is amazing. But then I wasn't immediately good at it. So of course it goes through that whole process. And so you go from, you know, you got a little, uh, let me just wait till that police car goes by. <clears throat> yeah, was that was that the siren okay, cool. that went off when you realized you could do things? Yeah, and, and yeah, okay, let me let me yeah, I I kind of remember exactly where I was there. Okay. Um and then you go through the next stage, you get the conscious competence. Hold on, one more second. <laughs> it's always fun when you're recording products and this shit happens. And you're like, "Okay, start over." <clears throat> All right. And then after that, you go to the conscious competence, and that's when, you know, luckily there's things like you can learn the right tonality, you can learn the right things to say, you can learn how to develop your inner game, leading to, at some point, you develop that confidence in that situation. And the same thing happened with me for stress. So a couple specific things that I did here. One is, unless I'm explaining the story, in my own life, I never use the word stress because it has a certain anchor and a certain association to me. And so if my girlfriend's coming home and I am, we'll say here for this context, a little bit stressed, I would say, oh, I'm a little bit wound up right now. And so you hear even the, the little bit wound up is very different than I'm so stressed out right now. In the same way, if you're thinking that part of your identity is like, I get so nervous when I talk to a girl. Oh my God, I can never do things like that. Check your language because again, the language is a leading indicator. And so that's one of the first steps, just becoming aware of externally as well as internally, what do you say to yourself? Oh, I could never get with a girl like that. Hold on. Oh, I haven't gotten with that type of woman yet. And changing the language. Again, it's a small little 1% thing. And you used to be like, oh, that's not going to change anything. Of course, that alone isn't. You still got to go out and approach. You still got to go out and get reference points. But don't stack the cards against yourself. And so what happens is, you know, and doing the pattern interrupt, that's another thing. So a belief, if you really look at what a belief is, it's a certain thought that we have that filters our reality and that's all it is. I believe that the sun is going to come up. And so it's a thought I have. And I go, okay, if it didn't come up, that would really mess with my reality. But that too, it's just a habit. It's a habitual thought pattern. And any habit goes through the same unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence into unconscious competence. And so if you want to change a habit, the first thing is, is realizing that you have the power to do that. You have the power to change your response. So if you still believe you need rich parents to be successful financially, or if you believe you need to be a certain height to be successful with women, you need to start becoming aware of that pattern and start cutting it as fast as it can. Versus, you know, at the start, it might run for a while, you're not even aware of it, and then the next day you're like, oh my God, I'm sure we've all, anyone on this call or on this podcast or anyone listening has had the experience where you go out, you have a shitty night out, and it like messes up your next week. But then after a while, you have a bad night out and it messes up your weekend. And then you have a bad night out and even at the end of the night, you're like, oh man, that was crazy. Why did I get in such a cloudy headspace there? But then over, what you're doing is you're getting better and better at the skill of state control and cutting the pattern faster. And all of a sudden, some girl rejects you and you get angry. But then within five minutes, you know how to change your state. You take a deep breath and all of a sudden you're ready to do it again. That's a skill set. That's And it's, again, it's changing certain beliefs. And then to reinforce the belief, that's the old... Tony Robbins, where you have the tabletop, the top of the table is the belief. The more reference points you have, it reinforces the belief. And so if you have some unproductive beliefs, you've probably had a couple decades 
of reference points to reinforce that. The first step is not adding more legs to the table, and it's choosing what belief do you want to have, and then start choosing to filter things and choosing to focus on those aspects of life. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I could listen to you all day. I mean, it's... I, I love the. Okay, really, I really struggle to improve certain aspects of you know like confidence and stuff like that, and that's when I liked about the RSD stuff was it opened me up to that sort of self development and looking at reference points and frames and controlling these sort of things. And I didn't even know those kind of things existed. I just thought that's the way I thought. You can't change it. And is that where we go wrong? Do you think that we are so used to our beliefs that we never even consider that they could be wrong, or do you know? Do we not even look at them? Yeah, you know, to take things, I'll I'll answer that again. You might have to remind me, but to take this even further, I was just reading a book. It's called I I can't you know recommend it as an amazing book or anything, but it it really changed. It reinforces even harder for me, and it's called Tools for Dreamers by Robert Diltz. And what they're doing is the same way that you can build confidence to go approach, approach a woman or build masculinity or dominance. You can do that with creativity as well. And so that's another one of those things like, oh, I'm either creative or I'm not. And what this book shows you is like you just model other people and you model the success that they had or the way that they're creative and how they think about things and how they, you know, what are they doing specifically? And you can actually develop creativity, which for me, I'm like, shit, holy crap. Like, of course, I... I've done this with women and I've done it with my confidence and I've done it with my masculinity. Why wouldn't I think I could do this with creativity as well? Like it just seems obvious to me now, or why can't I do this with being more extroverted? And it is like you said that the fact that we've had these beliefs so long, they just feel like they're a part of who we are. And from my experience, from the success that I've had with hundreds of thousands of clients, millions of views on YouTube and podcast listens and all that sort of stuff. Like I've seen it just so many times over and over again where you can truly change someone's personality in an evening, in an instant. And it's just putting them in the right situation where they're conducive to that change and being open-minded about it yourself. I think that's the other side is that it's just, the, you know, like I said, that those beliefs just build up and build up and build up and it leads to this resistance to kind of doing it. The other side with confidence, in the same way that I said masculinity, it means something different to each one of us. Confidence is one of those things that it's a lot of people quickly sort of make it this blanket statement of, oh, I'm not confident. I'm not a confident person. It's like, well, we're all confident in certain situations, whether that's even just playing a certain bit, like playing Mario Kart, you're going to be confident if you played it a lot because you have reference points of being successful in it. It's whatever, it's a video game, if it's being able to put your pants on and do that. You're like, yes, I'm confident that I can put pants on. Cool. So the specificity is important there. It's the same reason why a guy could be really confident of meeting a girl in a bar, but be totally afraid to t- talk to her if it's on the beach or something like that. And again, all it comes down to is specifically what is the belief? What is the outcome that I want? And then what is the most productive way for me to get that outcome again and again to reinforce the new belief? So how would you start with somebody and get them to actually analyze their beliefs, you know, and they may think a belief was, say, healthy, where it was possibly one of the major contributing factors to their issues. So how could we, you know, really look deeply within? Is there is there an exercise that you maybe do with clients where you get them to write out all their beliefs, or is it a way that you can get them to be open and honest with you? Yeah, I think uh, 
that's an interesting question because it really is a bit contextual to where, you know, whether I'm kind of like, oh, give me an example here. But the thing that I do in pretty with pretty much our client and in a lot of my courses is I call it the, the man OS, the man operating system to where you take like the six to eight core values that you have. And this brings us back to the values and really put them in a priority. So it could be, you know, finances and, and I even switch finances versus your career it can be two different things because there's ways where you can make more money, but maybe it's not in the fulfilling aspect of a career that you want. Uh, you know, social life, what you want for your dating life to look like, what you want your friendships to look like, what you want your family situation to look like and getting as specific as possible, looking out one year, three years out and really creating like, what is that ideal vision that I want to move towards? And then the second step is really then backwards engineering. Okay. What steps do I need to take a year from now to get there? Six months from now, three months, one month. And what happens is when you connect the dots from where you are today to where you want to go, that really gives you the path ahead. It gives you the game plan. And then what I do with clients then is we go, okay, now you got the path. Let's, let's jump in and do it. And what happens is, is if all of a sudden that becomes clear and certain thoughts start popping in or certain behaviors start kicking in, then it's time to go, okay, what do I need to do here specifically? So just some random examples. Like I said, it's kind of contextual. But a things that I notice a lot would be really getting, again, specific with it. So a lot of people say, I want financial freedom. Well, what does that mean to you? And, you know, how are you going to achieve that? Oh, I want $10 million in the bank. Okay, but what is that going to give you? And so $10 million, like, I guess you could see the stacks of cash sitting there. That's one way. But actually thinking like, okay, what lifestyle do you want? What do you want your day-to-day experience to be like? And, and so, again, it's less about the belief. And a lot of times it's just people are kind of sloppy with how they create their goals. And then from there, as they're going about it and they're, they're taking action, some certain beliefs pop up. And that a lot of times leads to, okay, that's something we got to work on. The other thing that I do a lot is with the six pillars, again, the six pillars of self-esteem book, he has these sentence stems and those are a great way because what it is, is like he has words. So that one of the pillars is let's say self-assertiveness and what he does is say, okay, what you want to write down is like, if I was 5% more assertive today, I would dot, dot, dot. And then you just flow on it. So you just, as fast as you can, whatever pops out of your head and you want it, the, the faster you go, the less likely your conscious mind is to filter it and get things to start coming out of your subconscious. And so I have clients do this every morning for 10 to 20 minutes and just do them in all the different areas and, and, and going even more specific. If I was more self-assertive in my dating life, I would dot, dot, dot. And then it'd be like, I would approach that girl I saw at Starbucks yesterday. I would wear those cool sunglasses that I'm a little bit embarrassed to wear. I would like whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you look at those after a couple of weeks and you're like, oh, wow, interesting. Some of these same ones keep popping up. That's something that I got to work on. So again, that self-awareness brings it into conscious incompetence. And then it, it just comes down to, okay, let's come up with a strategy to choose a better response here. No, that's, that's a great idea. I mean, it's, that's, what, that's what I was saying to you before the call started was, I just love the way that you take such a deep and, you know, like very very um, deep and emotional and possibly a scary topic for people and you make it into sort of a fan and a sort of activity where we learn things as we go you know you're not just talking at us you explain things so so deep and you just say to people this is what to do go and do it and you show them the light so to speak and do you see like across you know you've dealt with um, clients from all around the world and different places 
do you see the same sort of problems coming up or does it just depend on the culture the religion their idea towards pick up and dating and things like that yeah i do really think that i guess like if we go you know psychologically versus uh dating aspects of things is that if you bring it if you i always one belief that i have really strongly is that if you go down deep enough there is no conflict so people talk about like oh freedom from outcome versus you know uh intent and things like that and oh it's a conflict or like what's the Eckhart Tolle like you know uh be independent of the outcome and you know just be zen but also you want to be like Tony Robbins and you want to be driven and things like that and so on the surface level there or a couple levels down they seem to be in conflict but if you go down deep enough there's always a common thread of going okay how can i perceive and filter these things to where they both make sense and i agree with both of them and i think it's the same thing with this whole like again when you go to the level of like everything is just a pattern it all just comes down to self-awareness everything in life any personality trait any behavior any thought any belief that you want to have all it comes down to is de-automating ones that aren't productive and automating the ones that you want and going through that process of interrupting the pattern it all becomes patterns and it makes it so empowering to take on really any like a, you can become anyone you want it's like a true sort of just like oh what superpowers do i want to hear have here that doesn't mean again they're going to change overnight but having that belief is more empowering than saying well i can do that and then related to uh, dating specifically the thing that was probably one of the most important things for me was by going to all the different countries so i've taught in over 42 countries 43 countries i think and seeing it work in South America, seeing it work in Tokyo, seeing it work in Dubai, to London, and everywhere in between, in all of North America, that's what leads to, you know, I remember every time I went to a new city, I'm like, is it going to work here? Oh, yeah, it works here, too. Is it going to work here? Oh, it works here, too. You know, and so that uh, really leads to, again, what is it? It's that confidence, the belief that I am good at this. And when you have more and more diverse reference points, it just leads to that confidence growing stronger and stronger. So again, that really, the more you can get away from like, oh, I'm different, or this thing's different. And every city I went to back when I was a dating coach, everyone said like, oh, the girls in Stockholm, they're just different. They're more superficial. Or oh, the girls in Tokyo are, are like super scared and meek and you can't go up strong and aggressive. It's like every guy in every culture says the same thing. And mostly it's just because of the anchors that he has there are so strong that he thinks it is different. And he's like, well, when I go travel, it's different. It's like, yo, that's because you're feeling carefree. You're having a good attitude and you're excited to be in a new culture. That's what's coming through. It's not the culture. It's, it's you and the things that you're projecting onto other people. I just, I could, I really uh, struggle sometimes because I'm so into the answer and then I forget I'm to ask another question. So for people who are listening and they're going, you know what? He's, uh, he's right, I want to do this, I want to change my life, but they're worried about you know, what their friends will think, that they're maybe in a society or a job or a family that self-development and improving yourself isn't really accepted, you know, because they want to sit and watch TV and drink all the time, for example. How can a guy forget about what others think about them? You know, how can we stop caring and be comfortable enough in our own skins to focus on our, our dreams and not what people think of us? Go get better friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I say it kind of dramatically, but it's like that's that's it, right? It's like I 
it's an interesting thing when I moved I moved here to Chicago and I previously I was living on the road working 300 days a year so I didn't even pay rent anywhere and so coming back here one of my big goals was I wanted to get a group of friends that were entrepreneurs just kicking ass that were going to be supportive to where if I'm like I made you know 100 grand this month they're like go make you know more you know what you should be making 200 grand or 300 grand or whatever and so that's the type of people I wanted to surround myself with. And what was interesting is that because I was in the, like, you know, I went from living in small town, Wisconsin, you know, getting a master's degree in microbiology to all of a sudden breaking up with my high school sweetheart and I'm 24 years old, you know, quitting school and thinking, what the hell do I want to do with my life to becoming an instructor teaching dating advice around the world? What was crazy is that I just immediately was catapulted into a higher level of successful people because there was people spending thousands of dollars to learn how to meet women and they had a lot of the other areas of their life taken care of. And that was one of the biggest things that led to me being able to build the business so fast because I had people, I was launching products and they're like, oh, let me look at your copywriting. And these are people that at the time I thought it was amazing. They're making thousand dollars a day or something like that. And they'd like go, oh, nope, nope. And they just break it all down and show me why they're changing things. That's like the fastest way to learn, having those mentors around. But what happened was interesting is I moved here to Chicago and it was like this this networking muscle that I had never used before because I had all these successful people falling into my lap and they're just like, you know, they're, I'd teach them how to meet some women and then they'd be like, oh, let me, what do you want? Health advice? You want, you know, business advice? Like, sure, because when you have that power of the, the women thing, like, let me tell you, people will kind of help you with anything if you can help them with that. And what happened was, is I'm like, shit, how do I do this? And I had to really start from scratch. You know, I went out and met people at meetup events. I totally underdressed. I was just at a networking thing yesterday and it's like wear a suit every time just because then you're not, if you're underdressed, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, you know, I learned to really do my research ahead of time. I learned how to create an elevator pitch. I learned, you know, the questions that people ask and it's just another one of those skills to develop where now some of the people in my network, I mean, I have you know, one of my mentors is, you know, paved the most asphalt in the country. He's worth over $300 million in his early 50s. And he's just an amazing guy to be around. And I have a guy a block away who has the penthouse unit in this giant high rise. And he's worth probably $30, $40 million. I just go over there and hang out and drink some beers and talk about business and stuff like that. Like, those are the people that are like, dude, you're, you need to step your game up. You need to take things to the next level and pushing me. And those were things that weren't just, they didn't fall into my lap at all. It was through a process, the same process that I went through with pickup. It's going through it again with networking. And that's what leads. And then, you know, the people that aren't in that frame, it's like, you know, cutting them out. I wouldn't say cut them out first because then you just don't have any friends. But realize again, too, like you don't have to settle. And if you have to move, you got to move. And finding the right type of city is something I've thought about lately is that I've done this here now. But being in the self-development world, I'm always thinking, oh, shit, should I move to, you know, uh, Los Angeles or something like that? Because there's even more. That industry is just amazing there. And there's so many people I could meet and network with. And so you have to think, OK, you know, step outside the box a little bit and don't just say, oh, it didn't fall into my lap or I'm not this type of person or I'm not from that type of city. Change those things and, you know, don't settle for anything less than the best. So is things like, you know, making mentors and networking are these the kind of key skills that you think every man should have you know like how what should these guys listening be concentrating on what what should like a 
you know, say top five skills that every guy should be developing to get to that your kind of level? Okay, you have to count the skills because I'll probably get rambling and then forget to get all five in. But I would say for sure if I look at my past uh, and all the success that I've had, whether it's in business, copywriting specifically, success with women, I've always had somebody who's sped up my learning curve, given me the insider tips and tricks, and that's what got me there the fastest. And so like if I think about one of the biggest fears I have in business is I'm constantly like, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want it. Like the reason I took a boot camp in the first place is I was like, you know, I think I could do this in six months, but I'm a hacker. I want it in a weekend. And and I do think that's kind of like true. It's kind of a little bit, I don't teach them, so I'm not selling anything here, but the whole like, Oh, get six months of learning in a weekend. Like you kind of can get that in a boot camp because you're just doing so many approaches one after another, you know? Um, but that was for me, I'm like, okay, how do I get there faster? And so if you don't have access to these people immediately, the best way is free content, things like this podcast, stuff like that. But there is just this whole new level when you have a true mentor that they're holding you accountable, but also they know because you have a long-term relationship, they can see the specific things either that you continually keep making mistakes on or the little nuanced things that either they wouldn't even know that it was important until they saw it within you or they're not comfortable putting it online or something like that. Those are the things, like there's something, I, the only examples I can think of, I'm not comfortable putting online related to certain business practices or you know things around psychology with women and stuff like that to where the only way you're going to get that stuff, you're not going to find it in an online product. It's like you got to have those people around you. So it's I think it's probably the best lifestyle hack there is, is just go find five people that have the life you want and make them your friends. And it just sucks you out. Like you, you, just pure osmosis. If your five closest friends are all super fit and healthy and vegan, and you want to just eat a few more salads, like you go to the dinner, and all of a sudden everyone's like, salad, 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 and then you're like, steak, and they all look at you weird, and you're like, oh man. And it, it's not even like a conscious thing. It just changes your behavior because you're we're all creatures of our environment, and so you can proactively and strategically, you know, create and architect an environment where success becomes inevitable. And so I think definitely the first one, I don't know if it's the most important, but like I said, it, it is the quickest hack there is. It doesn't mean it's easy because if you're not used to meeting new people and you have those old beliefs that used to be there, then it's, and you notice my language there, is that those things, you got to change those things along as you're going along this path. But that's the fastest way to get there. So I guess that's the first skill. Um, what were the skills specifically that just all men should have? I think, you know, right now, because I've been just staring at sales copy all morning, like you got to be able to sell and market yourself. So those are kind of the same thing. So I'll just say you got to be able to sell yourself. And so you got to have confidence in what you're selling, who you are, know who you are, know that you have value to offer, be clear on who the other person is and be like persuasion. One of my favorite books is getting to yes is a great book. Another great book is winning through intimidation by Robert Ringer. And being able to persuade people, I guess I'd say more than selling, persuasion and influence. Because that factors into everything from attracting a woman to you know getting your girlfriend to kind of be cool and be a good girlfriend and having a success, like being able to communicate effectively without freaking out on each other uh, in sales and in marketing, being able to sell yourself to your boss to get a promotion as fast as possible, to get a new career and all those things. So persuasion and influence is huge, I would say. 
Um, and that is kind of when people ask, like, what are the best books for that? Some of the ones I said, the negotiation one, winning through intimidation, of course, books like influence, uh, but reading just marketing books and sales books. And it, it's kind of like a lifelong thing for me because it's like as a human, you're interacting with other humans and it's probably good to be able to communicate to them in a way that gets them to respond in the way you want to. And that's basically all persuasion comes down to in the end. So what better trait is there than getting people to do what you want? You know, um, I guess just other ones, like I said, that's an interesting question. Uh, the only other big ones I would say is self-awareness. So I'm just going to give you three. And by self-awareness, I just really mean continually becoming more and more aware of your patterns, more aware of, you know, the emotions that you have, raising your emotional intelligence, um, seeing where, as you talked about before, becoming more and more aware of the limiting beliefs that you have, uh, ways that you're sabotaging yourself. And the thing is, they're blind spots for a reason. That's why you have them, because you're blind to them. So it just doesn't happen overnight. But by continually developing yourself, modeling other people that have like live life the way that you want to, people that are more carefree, people that are more confident and sure of themselves, you'll start juxtaposing your behavior to theirs. And that's going to lead to going, oh, that's interesting. I kind of do that thing. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Do I want to keep that one? Or should I maybe find something a little bit more productive? And you hear I say more productive versus better because nothing is better, nothing is worse. And that's a, a whole nother, you know, rabbit hole to dive into. But the goal is just to continually develop more and more productive patterns to really live your life, like I said, in alignment with your values, to be congruent, to not, you know, when you not have the conflict between your conscious mind and your unconscious mind, when you hear people say things like, oh, I know what I need to do, I just can't get myself to do it, or I procrastinate. That's something to maybe not get all Freudian about it, but just continually like be like, okay, what specific situations is this happening in? How can I outgrow this? What behaviors, what patterns could I develop? Who could I find? What materials and tools could I get so that these things slowly fall away and I outgrow these old patterns? And then leading to you just going through life and really kind of being that person that's just at ease. Um, and so I, I kind of feel that I'm getting kind of abstract here so that I apply it to everything. But uh, hopefully that kind of gives people some things to move towards. No, I mean, you, you raised a lot of great points there. Um, you know, for somebody listening just now who's thinking, OK, I have really pretty shoddy mates who are not going to help me motivate. I don't have a mentor, but I want to go and find somebody or I want to, say, chase my dream or the dream job in a new city. How can they go out and make better friends or network with mentors you know do you use like mastermind groups or how did you go out as a single guy by yourself when you're picking up women and stuff like it and make mates by the end of the evening you know how how can we become a social animal again really yeah so i did this all outside of the sort of dating scene and what it was is that the best book for this for sure is Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And one concept, I don't know what he calls it, but for me, I call it your networking garden. I actually created a whole product about this. It's called Elite Level Networking. And for me, your networking garden, what it is, is you've got to look at your network as it grows over time and you're just planting seeds. If you're thinking like, oh, I want a mentor today or I want a new job today, people are going to feel that neediness and that outcome dependence. So it's really just how can I offer value? How can I become a person of value? So having skills that other people would want, 
the ultimate skill for elite level networkers is having an amazing network because they want to add new people to the Rolodex. And being a sort of interesting enough person, and this again comes down to doing interesting things, that people want to introduce you to other people. And so what it was is, like I said, being patient and have it, it's going to take some time to develop the skill set, to develop your network, and really to start just not saying no. I think a lot of people, they have too high of standards and they say, oh, that person is not the type of person that I want to meet. Oh, they don't. You know, I was at a, a networking. It wasn't a networking thing, but I was at a lunch a few days ago. But even if you just hear this week already, I've done multiple things to slowly enhance my network, whether that was going to this mastermind lunch thing that somebody invited me to. And it ended up going there. There were six people there other than my friend. One of the people I was like, actually kind of two of the six. I was like, oh, these are people that I could probably connect with again. We'll see kind of what happens. I don't know. But the other four, I'm like, okay, this is kind of a waste of time. I did a different networking thing last night where I saw a couple uh, CEOs speak at this event. It was super cool. There was a networking aspect of it. And, you know, through that, met a new person that had become my videographer. And that was like, you know, I met a half a dozen other people. I was like, okay, I didn't get a lot out of this. But all of a sudden, boom, the last person I meet. But if I think back to the early days, it was just going to these events and then meeting people. I think the other thing people like, oh, I don't know anyone. And in the book, Never Eat Alone, he talks about like, what about your dad's boss or his or your uncle's friend and finding people that you're just getting started to get out there, get comfortable doing it. And then from there, all of a sudden, it's it's not a lot of times it's not the first person that you meet. It's like a friend of a friend of a friend. And so if I think about another uh, good sort of he's a friend now for sure, is that through one friend, I met this other person through him. I met this other crazy, successful like, uh, you know, meatpacking company friend who's just like super successful. And all of a sudden he's like, dude, like he, we're going to Burning Man and he's flying me out there on his private jet and setting it all up in a Winnebago and taking care of everything. And that happened through having my eyes open and looking for opportunities and going friend of a friend of a friend, kind of four or five degrees separation away to where that guy ended up becoming a closer friend than the first friend that I had. And so I think, again, like I said, people put their blinders on and they say, oh, that person's not cool enough. And I remember one time I found this just random networking event, met some CPA. I'm like, I don't really need another CPA. But he was an accountant for these really successful entrepreneurs. He's like, oh, you got to meet this person and this person. And so through him, it was a conduit to meeting all these other amazing people. So don't just think, oh, it's a networking event. It's just people looking for jobs. Yeah, there's those people there too. But either way, you just got to get in the habit of doing it and slowly letting it grow and, and build. And did you start by doing things that you're interested in or did you start thinking, okay, I need challenges, I need to find things where I'm pushing myself out of that comfort zone? I think, you know, for me it was really just, you know, like I said, I had done the, the pickup stuff for years, so I felt pure social pressure. I was like, okay, I know how to do that there, although it was in a way starting over again when I'm like, okay, now i got to do this with dudes. But for me what it was is just, you know, like I said, it was... I just was like, okay, I just set the goal and I'm like, this is the goal. What's the fastest way for me to get there? And so I would suggest it's like find the type of people that you want to be around and then get in those sort of circles. So I do think like going to like, a, you know, if you go to salsa classes, you're going to meet some cool people. Or I did a improv here in Chicago, which is like the Mecca for improv. And I met some cool people there, but there were also people that wanted to be actors and comedians and things like that. So Although I could meet just friends and people to go out with, like those weren't the high level 
entrepreneurs that I was looking to meet. So it was like, okay, let me do a little research in my city. For me here, it was like finding co-working spaces and things like that and seeing where they were putting events on. It was checking up things like meetup.com. Uh, finding, I'm on the board for this local mentorship. Com- it's called True Mentors, and they're putting on events and all the time, and we're developing this for people. Founders Institute. There's these finding things like that where you can go. Okay, I mean, even online. It, like back in the day when I didn't have a lot of people, it was the RSD forum, you know. And that's why one of the things I have like the syndicate for all my customer base, to where they have a Facebook group, and there's also, you know, I'm on probably a dozen different Facebook groups. Really, then on some level, you're creating that ecosystem where people are, you know, on the same wavelength, and then you can have meetups and things like that. But it's doing the research and finding the type of people that you want, and then slowly working your way up to be around those people more. And was this around the same time that you decided to, you know, make that transition from employee of RSD to becoming your own boss and an entrepreneur, or? Had you already navigated that step? You know, how can somebody who's wanting to build that passion, you know, like build their own business and stuff, how, what tips would you give them to do what you've done, you know, getting that mentorship and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that is the other part of it because I was thinking back as you're asking the question, but I was like, the reason that I was so aggressive in meeting people was because there was a period when I didn't know if the business was going to be a success. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to finance the company because I had multiple employees and I'm trying to meet payroll, trying to pay for my own lifestyle and then continue to grow the business. And there was a period where I thought, "Mm, should I get investors? Let me look into this sort of stuff. Let me talk to my mentors and find other people that have done it successfully and ask them for advice. And so it was really out of this sense of urgency that I needed to meet these people to either get feedback or to have a couple people sort of on the you know on the bench to where if all of a sudden things got bad enough, I could have these investors on hand. And so that's really I think a lot of how it started was, you know, pretty early in those, you know, first six months of the business where I thought to myself, I need to figure out how to meet these people so that I can have them as my friends six months from now to when if all of a sudden I'm staring at bankruptcy and thinking I'm gonna have to move back home to my parents' basement, uh, I'll have those people help me out. So that was I think a big actually initial impact. And then the other thing is, is like, it just sort of blossoms. It's amazing how fast things blossom where you meet that one person kind of work your way up. And the first couple people might not be who you want, but I, I call them like, again, these elite level networkers to where they're Rolodex. They're just like, you know, and they want to introduce you to other people. And so all of a sudden I kind of got in this mix where I met two or three of those people and I could probably stem back a hundred people that I know today that are all like, super high caliber people came from initially these first two or three people and then continuing to do it. Cause I think that's the other thing is that you get busy with work, you get busy building your business and because it's the networking garden and there's a long term return on investment with that is that when all of a sudden you're super busy, like even me doing, you know, this podcast with you, this shit I need to do in the business. Just like, Oh, I also have to think about how to get more people in the future and think about long-term revenue and long-term re- return on investment versus always just like, what do I need to do today? What's going to give me that success today? And so, again, playing the long game, I think, is really important, too. So for somebody listening just now who's thinking, you know, damn, he's actually a really interesting guy. He's somebody that could maybe help me with my issues. Could you go into a little bit about, you know, like what your business does, how people can get in touch, and, you know, what what's, do you offer to 
clients to help them transform their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, short answer, just head over to weightalters.com, first and last name. Uh, same thing for Instagram or Facebook, posting there all the time. Uh, related to courses and services, currently my coaching list is full. Uh, so I actually have like a few month wait list for new clients that way. But I do have a bunch of different products. The new one actually that I kind of finished up today that probably by the time people are listening to this, it's called the four pillars. And so that what I would say is a great place for people to start because it's the four pillars of lifestyle development, which is your work, your relationships, your inner game and your life's purpose. And I think that really gives you an initial sort of starting point for a lot of the, the value system and the stuff that we talked about and then the inner game side of things. And then, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the main stuff. Like I said, I consider myself life coach, lifestyle coach, and marketing consultant. So that's the other thing I'm getting more and more into is, as is my brand has built, uh, people are asking more and more for business and consulting and stuff like that. So I do a little bit of that. And like I said, you can just go check out the website. Oh, I guess the other big thing there, too, is the podcast. So that's the Weight Alter Show. So I'm kind of omnipresent in all the different social media formats. And, um, yeah, that would probably be the best spot. And is there any particular clients whose transformation has blown you away, you know, that you look back and think, wow, when you look at who they were to what they are now, you know, is there anybody that leaves you almost speechless by how much, how far they've come? Yeah, well, I think it's important that as the coach, you have to believe that people can exceed your own success. And it was interesting when I did was a dating coach because with that, it's like in a weekend, you could have a guy from never approaching a girl before to leaving with some girl and having his first experience, like Virgin, also taking some girl home, which is like a huge, I mean, paradigm shift. Whereas when I got more into life coaching and business consulting is that a lot of times it would take longer, especially for somebody that went from like, I have a career to I want to start a business and, you know, let's say make 10K a month or something like that. That doesn't happen in a weekend. You can't really, I wish I could be that good, but it's just impossible. But it's cool now that I've been doing the life coaching now since like about 2013, even when I was still doing the dating advice and everything. And it's just cool to see some, I have some clients that are still with me, you know, three, four years later that are just continually, you know, and they left for a little while. I remember one and he all of a sudden came back and he's like, you know what? I just realized that when, when I have, you you're holding me accountable and i keep growing and like you know i can think of a few clients that one of them like you know multiple have gotten married have gone from day jobs to quitting their their job to starting their own business to being completely you know financially well off through that and seeing that i've been able to have a touch point on everything from their health their relationships being invited to weddings and things like that um, and then seeing them go from you know hating their job not really satisfied with not even knowing really what their purpose was to all of a sudden realizing that creating a business where it is something that they're passionate about, they feel like they're living their life's purpose through their business, the thing that they're doing every day. Um, you know, there's countless clients that have been like that over the years. I guess that's kind of a, after doing it for 10 years, you get enough of them coming through. So, um, yeah, I, guess I and like, if I look at my long-term vision, people always like, well, where do you see yourself five years, 10 years from now? It's like, I want to be up on stage and having those people at my events that have been with me for 15 years. You know, I'm not doing this to have like, you know, the army of little assistant coaches and building the business to make money that way. For me, what it's about is seeing those people that are like 
I've been with you for 20 years and you changed my life. Like it's the gratitude that I get from that, the satisfaction for that. Cause I've always thought like, what did I want to do after I've made my fortune? And that's what it is for me really creating an impact. So that's what I just keep on trying to do. And uh, yeah, that's kind of a, that's my story. So where, so why do you think for yourself compared to others, you were successful, you know, what do you think set you aside or like what characteristics do you think you have that made you a more successful like lifestyle coach than maybe somebody else who's failed? I would say the biggest thing from not even being a coach, but from being a client or from starting off in self-development is being open-minded. And I think a lot of people give up on books too early or they're skeptical. And so they don't take advice when if I can get one little gold nugget from something, I'm happy. And so, you know, reading books, reading the entire book and only getting, gleaning one little thing to me, that's still success. And so I think the thing that I took away the most, you know, my parents didn't give me a lot of uh, sort of life skill sets. You know, my parents were high school sweethearts, never really left their hometown. I didn't go to college. So some of that stuff they didn't give me. But one thing that I for sure got, the, the blue collar work ethic, got that for sure. And I think work, working hard is important. I think being open minded is really important with it as well. And then related to the coaching aspect of things is that it's, there's a book called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, which is my favorite business book. I think I've given about 10 books here during this podcast. But with that one, it's one of the biggest paradigm shifts is moving out of the technician frame to where you think you are your craft. So a coach, there's so many poor, broke life coaches out there because they're like, I want to help people and I want to become a better coach. And this is something I learned very long. Like, I want to be a better dating coach. And if my game is better, I'm going to be able to get, you know, be more financially successful. And so the technical craft is important. It's a baseline that you need to have, but you also need, people need to know who you are. And so developing the marketing side of things, and I really identify myself related to the entrepreneurship is as much of a marketer as I am as a coach because it's from a survival instinct or survival side of things, you have to. And so constantly developing that side of your business acumen if you want to be an entrepreneur, the marketing and the sales and the influence and the persuasion is, if anything, more important than the actual product or service that you're selling. And so I would say that. Working hard, never giving up, you know, being willing to be open-minded and say, okay, they don't want this. This is what they want. And then going in and jumping into that and figuring out what do they want and how do I communicate that as effectively as possible. That's the sales marketing side of things. Um, do you have any sort of particular, you know, like role model that you look to? You know, is there somebody in like, you know, a film or TV or real life that you look at and think that's the kind of man that I want to be in the future or you know that if I could be anything like that level that's I would consider my life successful yeah I would say if I think over the last 10 years definitely probably the two most would be Tony Robbins and Richard Branson are two that I kind of look at for okay what were they doing at the different stages I think the thing that I like again it's the things that I have had the least of which would be, you know, they just both had such big balls to fucking do huge things, whether that be, you know, air, like flying in air balloons to promote your business and stuff like that, or Tony Robbins taking one NLP course and all of a sudden saying he's an expert on the radio 
and you know jumping into running seminars right away of being that sort of bold where certain skills and personality traits that I didn't have so it's it's important to me to kind of see people doing that and model them and how they continue to grow and expand their businesses um, but I guess nowadays Dan Kennedy is huge on the marketing side of things I think he's hilarious he's like the grandpa I never had just because he's so like crotchety old grumpy man but an amazing marketer and then uh, I guess the other thing I'd say is just fine for me now it's actually opening up more to who's just one zero ahead of me just who's that one because you know I have the mentors that are like okay we're 300 million dollars or something when I go to ask about like, okay, can you watch, look at my sales copy? He's going to be like, oh, you need core values in your company. And here's how to go from 50 employees to 500 employees. Like he's good for the meta level sort of money mindsets and entrepreneurial headspace. But he's not going to be able to give me the tactical, this is what you need to do today to, you know, get that 1% or get that 5%. So, <clears throat> so nowadays it's actually much more those sort of people. So nowadays it's much more those people that are just one ladder above. And I'm still, I, you know, I can't even think of, I couldn't even give a lot of suggestions of who those people are because I'm still kind of doing research. Of finding, they're more like colleagues and creating masterminds of people that are, you know, in certain ways I can offer value. In other ways, they might be further ahead. I got a couple of masterminds of different, you know, life coaches, if you want to call them that, or self-development company CEOs. And we're always bouncing ideas and it's amazing the different ways to go there. And so most of my modeling now is people that are just a little bit ahead of where I need to be because there's not a lot like, you know, if I look at Tony Robbins and he's got 14,000 people in an amphitheater, people are like, you need to get on stage. And that is part of the end goal. But for me to get there as fast as possible, I need to put enough butts in the chairs. So that's learning more marketing and develop, you know, building the brand and scaling it online first. And so if anything, modeling that right now would actually be the slow path if that makes sense. Yeah, and is that concept of building the brand, say for a business, the same as you know building your own personal brand? Are the are the skills transferable? Can what you learn by building your own business can you utilize those skills to build that yourself as a person? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's really uh, Gary Vaynerchuk calls that the whole micro influencer movement. And so I think we all are micro-influencers. It's just, are you doing it strategically? And so I think having an online presence is just imperative, whether that's just you're trying to have a good LinkedIn profile and a Google search for when you're next, you know, you get a promotion and you want your boss to do a Google search and see the right things. So I think it's very important that as sort of culture moves more and more social online, that you have to be strategic about that and look at and model people that have done that successfully and see, okay, what am I, you know, I think even like online dating, <clears throat> sorry, I think even like online dating, which is something that I never really had to do because I was, you know, approaching, I was doing, I feel like the old man who did it the old school way. And then all of a sudden I got a girlfriend and things like Tinder and stuff came along. I'm like, man, it's so much easier these days. And so, but you know, one of the best ways to optimize that is actually just your pictures which I didn't even really think about that, but it's like, yeah, it is very superficial to start and it's very visual to start. And so it doesn't matter what your text is if they don't swipe right. And so I think people just go, oh, I'm just going to add a couple pictures and they don't really think about what's the, the optimal way to really do these things. They just kind of throw things together haphazardly or sculpting, you know, what's on your news feed and sculpt or sculpting, you know, what's on your personal profile. 
and what that online presence really is. And do you think Tinder and things like that have ruined, you know, like the dating industry and the pickup, or has it just developed it and expanded the sort of range of skills that we can use? Yeah, like I said, it's kind of interesting for me because I've had a girlfriend for almost five years now, so haven't had time to experiment, or if I did, she'd probably not be very happy with me. And so just from looking at other people around, um, I think the more options, the better. You know, I think the more ways to make it available. If You know, I think it is cool. Like any every guy, if you talk about skills, should be able to like ride a motorcycle and be able to, when he sees an attractive woman, be able to go up and approach her. That doesn't mean you have to do it, you know, five nights a week or something like that. But I think it is a skill. You don't want to be like, oh, man, if I if I would have met her on Tinder, I could totally get her. And she's right there in front of you. So I think it's a skill that every guy should know that he's done. Maybe not be in full peak form at the moment. Like I said, if I went out today, I'm not going to be like totally in the flow or anything like that. Um, but I think, you know, more options, the better. You know, it's kind of like I'm always one for going forwards for op- using technology and, you know, making your life easier versus other ways. Because I think the only sort of complaints people would have is, oh, you need to go out and approach and work on yourself as a man. It's it's like there's other ways to work on yourself. Like I said, entrepreneurship, even in a relationship, being vulnerable in a relationship, these things for me have been, had a bigger impact on growing as a man than actually just going out and approaching random girls in a nightclub. So, you know, you you went out and you must have approached and it's the your success rate um, pulled a lot of women. What do you you know? Did you come across a framework that worked? What would what would be your top tips right now for somebody who's going out because it's a Friday night, who are going out to meet women, who are trying to show them the real them? You know, how can they approach a girl? Is it just walk up, smile, and start speaking? Is there or is there a way that they can frame themselves and build that confidence? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the whole seminar there was about 20 hours when I used to do it back in the day. So try to sum that up short here. But I think like the big thing that I would say, the the twofold is the inner game and the outer game. The inner game is what we talked about at the start, building that confidence up. And so getting reference points and choosing the frame of reality where assuming attraction and, and all the like I said, the sort of having the right frame there. From the outer game side, most of the boot camp really just came down to the mechanics of the direct approach. And so that was going up nice and strong, full frontal, good tonality, good eye contact. Didn't really matter what you said. Make it short. Make it simple. And just conveying yourself as like, I'm the type of guy when I see something I want, I go for it. And so that's really that first step of just going in nice and strong. And a lot of time, a lot of times that's basically all you need to really like the, the top starts spinning. Things are spinning fast enough. You get some good momentum there. You can kind of mess up afterwards. And she filters everything after that from like, oh, I'm the type of guy that goes for what he wants. And I don't care if a guy's been with 100 women or something. We'd still be like, okay, let's work on the mechanics of the direct approach. Because for him too, it just sets the frame so well from the start that I'm the type of guy when I see something I want, I go for it. And then from there, it's just kind of like keep the momentum going and then lead and leading, you know, the state, leading the interaction, leading her around, leading it to, you know, to escalate and being the guy who's comfortable leading. That's really, if I could break it down into two things, it's like going strong and then lead. Well, 
you know, I've just realised we've been talking for over an hour here. You know, you'll have made some amazing new um, fans. You know, just listening to you for over an hour, and I feel like it's only been ten minutes because I feel so engrossed. You know, you're a wonderful guy, and I cannot wish you anything but success for the future. You know, you, you you've been I've been a fan of yours for years now, and I feel very honoured to have the chance to speak to you and to rack your brains. So, is there anything that you would like to say to everybody listening? You know, is there is there a new product or project that you've got coming up that you want guys to check out? Yeah, I would say, like I said, I'm really excited. This new course, it's called The Four Pillars. I say it's a, a 360 degree lifestyle development solution where it covers every aspect of your life uh, to move ahead in your business or your career your, with your relationships that's personal, social, as well as intimate. And then the inner game side of things, as well as integrating it really well with your life's purpose. And so if you head over to weightalters.com, you'll see there'll be a little button at some point. Like I said, by the time you listen to this, it'll be available. It's totally fresh, totally new. And uh, I can't recommend anything higher. It's a great starting point for where my material is at these days. Like I said, kind of distilling down 10 years of experience as a dating coach and life coach and business consultant. And then other than that, I just say, you know, I'm just trying to put out as much free content as possible to really offer as much value, create as much of an impact to where, like I said, when I'm a grizzled old man, some people will show up and want to hear me spew advice. And hopefully uh, I got some good advice in those later years. Uh, but that would probably be. And then, like I said, if they're podcast listeners and you love the podcast medium, check out the podcast, Wait Alter Show. And other than that, uh, it's been fun doing the podcast here. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I've literally got pages left of questions, so I'd love to have you on again at some point, and uh, hopefully it won't be as uh, waffly as then, but I honestly cannot say thank you enough, and uh, I wish you every success for the future. Thanks. Thanks a lot. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.